Hi, everybody. Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Lockdown Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. It is great to have you here with us today on the program, as our show today is brought to you by McDonald's. My name is JJ Jackson. I proudly serve as the host of this podcast. On our show today, I sit down with Jason Evans from the Duke Basketball Report to recap Countdown to Craziness and take a look ahead to this upcoming basketball season for our Duke Blue Devils. It's going to be an amazing show that you don't want to miss. Again, as I said, my name is JJ Jackson, proudly serving as the host of this program. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on Blue Devils for free wherever you get your podcasts as you'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out each and every day. Let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, Jason Evans from the Duke Basketball Report will join our program right here on Locked on Blue Devils. This episode of Locked on Blue Devils is brought to you by McDonald's, proudly serving communities since 1965. McDonald's has always been more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's a place where friends and family can come to reconnect. A place where classmates can meet up for a study group, knowing they'll have dependable Wi-Fi and endless supplies of French fries and McFlurries. Win or lose, it's a place where teammates, competitors, the home team, or the away team can come to recharge. It's the place you always look forward to stopping at on the long road trip to rest your legs and refuel. I love McDonald's so much, I could proudly say I spent one year in high school working at McDonald's. Make sure you go by and check out your local McDonald's. Head to your local McDonald's to refuel and reconnect. A big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there, proudly sponsoring the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, I'm loving it. Welcome back into the Locked On Blue Devils podcast. JJ Jackson here, pleased to be joined by a very good friend, Jason Evans from the Duke Basketball Report, back once more. Jason, basketball season is right around the corner. You look outstanding. The team's looking outstanding after countdown to craziness. I can't wait for all the fun to start. Oh, yeah, man. Is it here yet? I feel like the season's (laughs) right right upon us. And, you know, actually, I think we're going to get a really good idea. It'll be, you know, it'll be drips and drabs. Uh, But this weekend, we have the secret scrimmage against Villanova. Yeah. And, um uh, that that's a high 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 quality club a good one to test yourselves against uh, an experienced team a- again it won't be on television or anything like that but but we're going to hear some reports i think of how duke did in that and that, and that's going to give us a good a good you know barometer so to speak on on where this team really is cuz so far all we've really seen is them play against themselves <laughs> no and don't you th- this whole secret scrimmage thing that's kind of popped up over the last several years at first it was as hush hush as possible like didn't even know that it happened after the fact it's like wow we actually just had this school come by scrimmage them and that sort of thing i've been noticing over the past few weeks jason with other schools having these secret scrimmages we're posting photos and a couple of clips here and there maybe from what's that like they're starting to show it a little bit more before the season even gets going i know it's 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 nice it uh, and (laughs) it's hard to say how much we're going to get because The reality is you're going to get what the programs are willing to leak. They're really, uh, my understanding is they're not going to be journalists in attendance. They're not going to be 
uh, you know, certainly no fans in attendance. Right. The, the, the scrimmage is going to take place in Washington. We don't even know exactly where in Washington, D.C. it's going to be done. Uh, but uh, and and I don't think you're ever going to see something like a box score. Right. But I think you're probably going to hear which team won. And they'll probably do a couple scrimmages, you know, like maybe two 20 minute halves kind of thing. You'll, but you'll hear which team won and you'll probably get some little kind of statistical things like, oh, Trevor Keels was four of six for 13 points, you know, something like that. But you won't get, you know, minutes played and, and uh, on everybody and uh, it'll, it'll just be little nuggets here and there. But again, I, I think, you know, just how well Duke performs against Villanova and then who some of the standouts are. Uh, that's, that's all we really need to know from something like this. That's all we're going to get, <laughs> Yeah, but it's also, it's also the primary thing we need to know. For sure. So, so this will be our Friday edition of the Lockdown Blue Devils podcast. So this weekend, Duke basketball with a, a secret private scrimmage, whatever you want to call it against Villanova, uh, which is going to fill the void of, of no Duke football this weekend as they're on the bye. So Jason, we look back a week ago though, this time on Friday, we were really counting down the hours until countdown to craziness got started, not expecting what exactly the turnout would look like or what the atmosphere would feel like, I should say. We knew there would be a lot of people there. There were a lot of people there. What was it like to take it all in? Yeah, it, I, it was exciting to me to have fans back in Cameron. Uh, my colleague on the Duke Basketball Report, Donald Wine, pointed something out to me that I was absolutely blown away by. And, and I inherently knew it, but I hadn't had it articulated to me and, and I hadn't thought about it. Get ready for this. Half the students at Duke, half the students had never been to a game in Cameron. I mean, think about that for a minute, you know, because we all the freshmen obviously have never been to a game, but all the sophomores had never been to a game because last year they were, you know, because of COVID protocols, they were not in attendance. So for half of the students at Duke, that was their first experience in Cameron. And I think, you know, I could both sense a little bit of hesitation from the crowd, but also a lot of energy from the crowd. And, and the players and the coaches in the postgame commentary talked a lot about how it was great to have them back, have the fans back and get that energy from them. Cameron has been over the years the most feared arena in all of college basketball. There's no question about that. And part of that, a large part of that is the quality of the teams that Coach K brings to the table. But a large part of that is also the quality of the fans and the quality of the atmosphere that those fans produce. I, I think the, the setbacks that the Duke basketball team had last season, sure, some of it was a variety of different reasons regarding the talent that was on the team, how that talent came together, preparation that was, um, you know, that was not as complete as it was during pre-COVID times. Part of it was not having the energy of the Cameron Crazies. And we saw that energy once again uh, at Countdown to Craziness. It was great to have it. So many teams do these premier events to kick off the season, to showcase their their squad before the year gets going and that sort of thing. Countdown to Craziness is certainly our favorite. It's been so well done. Coach K, one of the first to really jump on and make this a thing and, and really have it be as big of a deal as it is. Certain schools will do a dunk contest, maybe a three-point shooting competition, possibly, right, and so right. on and so forth. Duke just goes with the two 12-minute scrimmages uh, on uh, this past Friday night. What did you make of the, the floor, the play overall? So there are a couple of guys that I thought really, really stood out. Um, uh, sort of two, that, two guys that to me um, 
uh, stood out more than anyone else. Yeah. One of them was Trevor Keels, uh, who I thought probably yeah. was the most impressive player in, uh, in, in the two halves and the two scrimmages. We'd seen pieces of Trevor Keels in, in some, you know, tape that we'd gotten from, from, from some Duke practices and such. Uh, and we'd heard some reports from, from early practices that Keels was really, a, a, you know, performing better than some people I think had, had anticipated he would. Uh, I thought in the blue-white scrimmage, he showed the kind of things that I'd been hearing rumors that he was going to have, which is he's, he's physically imposing for a guard, for a ball handler, you know, for a point guard wing, whatever you want to call him. He's tough to stop when he wants to get to a spot because he is so strong and so physical and so wide. If you look at like, look at the team picture yeah. of the Duke basketball um, team that came out a couple of weeks ago, Trevor Keel stands out, you know, uh, he's sitting on the front row. It looks like he's in two chairs, practically. <laughs> he, he's, he's a big dude. Um, and so he can get where he wants on the floor in the half court. And that's a, you know, that's a huge part of being successful in offense. But the other thing I really noticed about him is he's tremendously successful at leaking out a little bit, uh, starting the fast break, finishing on his own, uh, getting those opportunistic baskets. Um, I said a couple of weeks ago after one of the scrimmage videos that I thought Trevor Keels was the kind of guy that, you know, if you had to pick the guys who are going to be the leading scorers on this Duke team. I think prior to what we've seen the past few weeks, you would have put Trevor Keels like fourth or fifth, maybe even sixth on the team in scoring. What I've seen lately, yeah. I feel like this is a guy who, who will lead Duke in scoring in multiple games this year. It's the kind of player where the game will be over and you'll be looking at the box score and you'll go, yeah, Keels played pretty well. Wait, he had 18 points. What? You know, like hey, you'll be surprised at, at the impact he had on the game. It's not flashy. But it's absolutely essential. And, and he showed that in that blue-white scrimmage, I thought, really, really well. The other guy among the starters, to me, who really stood out was Wendell Moore. We've been hearing about how, how Wendell Moore has reshaped his body, has become more athletic. I'll be honest, I didn't know such a thing was possible. But it, it is happening before our very eyes. He looks quicker. He looks more explosive. He looks more confident. He looks like a junior. Um, and Duke doesn't get many guys this talented who, who yeah. reach their junior year. Um, I think Wendell Moore is going to be one of the elite defenders in the ACC. He's going to get a ton of steals. He has great anticipation, great long arms. And he just looks like, you know, he's getting to his spots for that mid-range pull-up game better than he used to in the past. He's able to finish around the basket better than he used to in the past. I, I just thought Wendell Moore looked fabulous in both these scrimmages. And actually, I, I said, too, I want to mention one more of the starters very impressed with Mark Williams. Uh, I, I mean, the Mark Williams that Duke had at the very end of last season, the Mark Williams who absolutely dominated in the ACC tournament. I think we all thought we were probably going to get that guy this year again, but it's not a sure thing. You know, maybe he was just on a little bit of a, you know, in-season run. Well, it's clear now that Mark Williams is uh, going to be, you know, perhaps the most imposing force in the ACC on the interior uh, blocking shots and, and finishing yeah, lobs. Duke is going to lob the ball to Mark Williams a lot this season, <laughs> and uh, uh, he's not going to miss many of those, that's for sure. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at Bet Online. We're back at better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back on to start another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action that you need here in 2021. With an updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, BetOnline.ag continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 100% welcome bonus. 
That's double your initial deposit just for signing up. Don't forget to use promo code NFL100. Also use promo code Locked On. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Today's show is brought to you by our friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. It's so good. 18 amazing flavors, six new flavors to choose from, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, apple almond crisp, and more. As Built Bars are healthy and great for the health conscious guy. Covered in 100% chocolate. That's a crime. That shouldn't be fair. And yet it's still good. Soft and easy to chew, and it is good for you. Lose or maintain weight while indulging in this delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for the keto diet. A great flavor like peanut butter. 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, and 5 grams of net carbs. You need to go to Built.com and use promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, Built.com. Promo code LOCKED15, proud sponsor of Locked On Blue Devils. No, I'm excited after watching that footage and, and Wendell Moore Jr., somebody that uh, obviously we know because he's been there for so long. He's one of the players that can say that, uh, you know, back in my freshman season, I was a part of playing in Cameron Indoor when Cameron Indoor can be rocking the way that we know it to be. Uh, to start off, count down to craziness, he hits a just easy little baseline jumper pretty much from the same spot he hit the game winner against Boston College a year ago yep, yep. inside Cameron Indoor to get the fun going and that sort of thing. And, th- and then really, Trevor Keels, I heard you say that earlier this week on the Duke Basketball Report podcast that I would really encourage people to check out that same point about he just makes it look so easy. And uh, there are those guys in basketball, Jason, where it's like it really doesn't feel like he's done a whole lot. And next thing you know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, did he really score that many points? And uh, exactly. I think that's what we're going to see out of Trevor Keels. Yeah. And, um, you know, I also want to mention, I, I thought two of the, two of the subs, two of the guys who are not going to be starters, uh, were impressive. Um, uh, Joey Baker to me looks like he is maturing his game from being just an outside shooter into also a mid range game, a guy who can take the ball to the basket a little bit. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, Joey's not going to be a guy that we count on for 10 points per game, but there are going to be games where Joey scores in double figures because he's going to hit a couple threes. And he now looks like he's capable of, of having a mid range game um, and, and setting other guys up, you know, when he's, when he puts the ball on the floor and goes toward the basket and the defense comes toward him, Joey's able to pass the ball. So uh, I liked what Joey Baker had to show. Um, and, and then the other guy was Theo John, who is a man, yeah. uh, Theo John. <laughs> I mean, whew, that that guy uh, that guy can can bench press the entire team and then some. Um, uh, I uh, I read earlier this year he he broke a longstanding bench press record. Um, you know when Duke sort of does their their weightlifting combine so to speak, the record for the the bench press had been held for almost two decades by Sheldon Williams, and Theo John broke Sheldon Williams's record. Um, Theo John I, I thought looked really really good in the scrimmage when. I don't think Duke's going to count on Mark Williams or expect Mark Williams to play 30 plus minutes per game. Yeah. Um, I'd love for him to be able to, but I don't think, I don't think Mark's conditioning and, and the, the way he plays is going to allow him to play 30 minutes, you know, probably 26, 28, something like that, but he's not going to, you're not going to get Mark Williams out there for 33 minutes a game. So there's going to be 12, 14 minutes per game, at least 
where Duke needs someone else in the post, it is abundantly clear that Theo John is going to be that guy. And Theo, John, there's not going to be a huge drop off. I mean, maybe, you know, I, th- I think Mark Williams is going to be more of a lob threat <laughs> yeah. um, and, and, and probably a little more offensive, uh, especially offensively um, aggressive than Theo John will be. But in terms of protecting the rim, in terms of grabbing rebounds, in terms of being a physical presence on the inside, Theo John's going to be among the best, if not the best, uh, backup big men in uh, not just the ACC, but in the entire country. All right, so a couple of more guys to highlight. Again, recapping Countdown to Craziness with Jason Evans from the Duke Basketball Report right now. Uh, obviously, Paolo is someone we'll get to in just a moment. We've talked about that guy since the day uh, he committed, even before that, certainly signed his letter of intent and that sort of thing. But Jeremy Roach at point guard uh, coming back for another year into his sophomore season, someone who does not know what it's like to play in a, a full Cameron Indoor Stadium, uh, excited that he's going to get that opportunity this season. Someone who shot 31% from three a year ago and averaged eight points. Really not the primary score for, for any team. His largest output was, was 22 points a year ago. What are you seeing out of Jeremy Roach so far, and, and how important do you think his success is? So, uh, you know, I've been talking about the guys who really impressed me, and I don't want to say that Jeremy Roach didn't look good, but he didn't look aggressive in, yeah. in Countdown to Craziness. I, I I noted that I think that's fair. Yeah, I noted that um, both Bates Jones and uh, Michael Savarino outscored Jeremy Roach during the 24 minutes of Countdown to Craziness. Uh, Jeremy Roach only had two points, I believe. Uh, now he did have a number of assists. I I, I want to say the number was seven. I think he had yeah. seven assists, uh, and and he didn't turn the ball over very much at all. Um, so he seemed quite steady handling the ball and, and he's gotten really good at setting guys up. I think, I think what you're going to see from Jeremy Roach a lot this year is uh, it, it, he, his outside shot looks better than it did last year. I think he seems more confident in that outside shot. And, and so he's going to, he's going to take threes, but when he puts the ball on the floor, he's going to look to get into the defense, force the defense to come stop him. And then he's tossing that ball up next to the rim for Paolo Bencaro for Mark Williams for Theo John and for the other guys in this team who are going to be waiting for Jeremy Roach to hit them with an easy, easy basket. He's going to lead this team in assists, I think, probably pretty comfortably and pretty easily, even though I'm not convinced he's going to be the main, you know, sole ball handler all the time. Um, in fact, in Countdown to Craziness, in the blue-white scrimmage, we we probably saw um, Trevor Keels handling the role of, you know, facilitator or yeah. point guard, if you want to call it that more than we did Jeremy Roach, uh, which was a little bit surprising. And Wendell Moore also takes that role a, a pretty good amount of the time. Yeah. Um, I, I, we have, Duke also has Jalen Blakes. I don't, uh, you know, and, and I, I think Jalen Blakes is going to mature into a, a, a nice player for Duke at some point. I don't think as a freshman, we're going to see a lot of him in competitive games, but, uh, but uh, Jeremy Roach's role is going to be to knock down those three pointers and set up other players um, and, uh, you know, at least in terms of setting up the other players, he did a nice job of that in the blue white. Um, frankly, I, you know, I don't think, I don't think Duke has room for five double digit scores in this team. And, uh, and I think Jeremy Roach among the starters is, is the guy least likely to, to put up double figures. I mean, we've seen Wendell Moore all the way back to his freshman year on a team with Trey Jones, nonetheless have yeah. spurts where he was being the ball hand. Like that's not something that's out of the ordinary for him to be in the mix there. Wendell Morris, though, the, the step he's had, we've heard about it, right? But it's one thing to sort of be able to see it play out and that sort of thing, and that's why we're so excited for the Kentucky game and onward and throughout the uh, the season. 
what does the production actually look like on the floor and seeing it in game action? Yeah. So Wendell Moore, I I love that we're talking about him as a ball handler because what a unique player he is. I could, I could comfortably say, Oh, this guy's going to play the one, two, three, or four. He's not going to play center. Right. (laughs) But he could play power forward, especially against some teams that, that go smaller. Um, you know, teams that don't have two uh, traditional right. bigs. Wendell Moore can can absolutely play against opposing fours. Um, he's got the size. He's got the strength. He's got the savvy to be able to do that. He also has the ball handling skills, the court vision, the distribution skills, and the shooting to play all the way up to the point guard. So, I mean, what wonderful versatility that gives you as a team to have a guy like that, that you can move around wherever you need him to go. Um, you know, we already talked about the fact that he just looks – he looks quicker. He looks faster. He looks more explosive. He looks more confident. Uh, I, I can't say enough about how important confidence is to these ball players. Uh, and and Wendell Moore looks like he's the guy. He and Paolo Bancaro look like the two guys where Duke's going to count on them to create shots for themselves. You know, when you need a bucket, who do we put the ball? Whose hands do we put the ball in? I think it's Paolo Bancaro and and Wendell Moore. Um, and both those guys seem comfortable sh- shooting from the outside, driving to get a mid-range pull-up kind of shot or a shot in the lane, or taking it all the way to the basket and finishing at the hole. Uh, you know, three-level scores. That's what that's referred to as. And Duke appears to have two of them in Wendell Moore and Palo. Which is amazing. You started to talk about him there a moment ago. All right, give me a couple of thoughts on, on Palo and what we saw. Yeah, so uh, the, the blue-white, let, let's, you know, let's be really honest. <laughs> Your audience deserves that. Paolo did not have a great blue white blue white scrimmage. Yeah, um, his shooting uh, was not you know what we had hoped it would be. Um, he he missed a lot of shots. Felt to me like he was hitting like the back of the rim a, a pretty fair bit on his shots, especially those pull ups, those shots in the lane and the such. Uh, you know that said, the guy is clearly you know again we're talking about a guy who's 6'10", 240, who handles the ball like a guard. Uh, he showed those guard-like skills, the ability to, to pull up and take three-pointers, um, the ability to run the break, uh, great court vision, um, and, and can put the ball on the floor and, and, and dribble around guys and dribble through guys, and, and, and yet you know, has, has the bulk and, and the skills to be able to score in the post. So even though he didn't have the impact and uh, the shooting touch that I think we had expected. I think a lot of that was, you know, just one game, perhaps some, some jitters first time playing in front of the crazies. Uh, I'll, I'll be really surprised if he doesn't score in the teens, at least every single game for Duke. Um, you know, I, I think an off game for Paolo is going to be, you know, 13, 14 points. And I think he's going to be up more like 20 points uh, way more often than, than down in the low teens. And, and it just it really does appear that he can get where he wants on the floor uh, because he combines that that bulk with the, the that ball handling skill. And when he gets where he wants on the floor, he he's confident taking his shot. Again, he didn't hit it as much in, in the blue white as we would have liked. But but I've seen enough of him in practice and I've heard enough raves about this guy that he's going to hit that shot more often than not. <laughs> and uh, this is this is going to be a, a really, really special, really fun Duke team when Palo's on. No doubt. I can't wait to get it, see it get started again coming up in uh, just over a couple of weeks. 
until we see Duke and Kentucky being played. Jason Evans from the Duke Basketball Report is joining us here on the program. No stranger to Duke basketball discussions. Been on this show a number of times. Their podcast is well over the 300-episode mark. And, Jason, you were sort of leading the discussion about Duke recapping Countdown to Craziness on your show and asking your co-hosts about uh, you know what kind of worries maybe do you have about this team concerns that could be there definitely areas for improvement and there was a bit of discussion about the outside shooting that I think is granted this isn't going to be a team like Syracuse this season that's going to shoot a million three-pointers and make a good number of them but uh how, how concerned are you truly about the outside shooting I mean look it, it is something that has vexed the Blue Devils for several years now um uh, look how can you not look back on uh, Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett's season and say, if we'd had a little better outside shooting, that team goes yeah. all the way. Uh, there's little question that that team goes all the way and, and perhaps, you know, writes its name in the history books as one of the great teams uh, in recent college basketball history. Uh, there, there have been other Duke teams in recent years. Uh, last year's team, frankly, was not a, a good outside shooting team. Uh, we brought in um, certainly in Trevor Keels, and, and, and in Palo Bancaro, guys who have reputations for being, uh, you know, at least, you know, good for their position. Palo, you know, a good three-point shooter for a guy who's 6'10". Trevor Keels is supposed to be good, but not spectacular three-point shooter. So it, it has to still be a little bit of a concern. I mean, Wendell Moore and Jeremy Roach last year um, didn't hit the kind of three-pointers, you know, at least percentage-wise that we would like. They weren't bad, but they, they weren't great. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, I think Duke's strength this year is going to be on the inside. We've talked about, you know, Palo's game, uh, obviously Mark Williams next to the basket, Theo John, there's not gonna be much drop off when Mark Williams comes out and Theo John comes in. Um, you, you've got guys like uh, Wendell Moore who are going to take the ball to the basket. Trevor Keels who has the physical physicality to take the ball to the basket. I think teams are going to try and pack it in and force Duke to shoot over them. So who does that shooting? Um, I, I mentioned Keels. Uh, Roach supposedly has been working on his shot a lot and, and uh, you know, it has to be better. Uh, I think that could be a big role for Joey Baker on this team. And then the great unknown, of course, is we haven't really seen very much of A.J. Griffin. True. Um, he had a reputation as a guy who was a really good three-point shooter, a good outside shooter when he was in high school. Um, but it's been a long time since A.J. Griffin has played against real competition, you know, where people were actually keeping stats and stuff like that because uh, he didn't play at all during the COVID year. And he's been, uh, you know, sort of off and on nagging kind of little injuries, but still the kind of thing that keeps you out for a couple of weeks throughout uh, much of the summer and the preseason for Duke. So it's been a while since we really saw A.J. Griffin in game action to, to know how, you know, <laughs> this guy as a sophomore, junior in high school was a good three-point shooter. Well, is, is he still a good three-point shooter against the kind of defense that he's going to see in the ACC? Um, and we won't get the answer to that probably until, uh, you know, late November or early December when he comes back from, from the little leg injury that he suffered uh, just about a week ago, we, uh, two weeks ago almost. Um, but, but those are the guys. Th those are the names of the guys that I think Duke's going to need to step up. And Duke's going to have to be able to hit some three-pointers um, uh, to, to succeed this year. I, I think they have guys who are capable of it, uh, whether that translates to shooting well in games is a, is a whole different story. And, and, and I'll add one more wrinkle on all this. Best three-point shooter in the team so far after the blue-white scrimmage is none other than Mark Williams. Heck yeah. <laughs> the, the big seven-footer stepped out at one point and took what looked like a very confident, you know, not Drilled like, it. Uh, I'm just kidding around, 
but like a, you know, I know how to do this. He took a three pointer, nothing but net. Um, I don't think Duke fans want Mark Williams out at the three point line very much because he's going to uh, vacuum up every rebound. If he's in the paint, he's going to get lots of lobs if he's in the paint, but you know, occasionally in the pick and roll, if he can pick and pop as opposed to pick and roll, um, that could be a weapon for Duke. Uh, and it'd be very interesting to watch if that happens. It's kind of wild. These past couple of seasons have not three point shooting has not been the strong suit necessarily of these Duke basketball teams, but certainly in the program, it has been a staple for Duke basketball. I mean, last year, their favorite thing to do during games, Jason, was to let you know as soon as the first three-pointer went in that Duke has the NCAA record for most consecutive games with a three-pointer. <laughs> you know, it'd be like in the thousands of numbers. You know, like I don't even know what number it is at this point. But it was like, hey, Duke's made a three-pointer in this many consecutive games. Like they're going to find one. And last year, because of some of the struggles, it felt like they were kind of trying to push that storyline more and more, which was fair. Like, is this going to be the day uh, that that streak comes to a close? Yeah, and 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 look, uh, to some extent, that streak was relevant when three-pointers weren't as prevalent as they are today. Yeah. Uh, the, the game of basketball has evolved a good bit um, in the past. Without a doubt. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know if we call it the Steph Curry era or not, but Golden State yeah. uh, has succeeded in um, in changing the entire game of basketball, and everyone shoots so many three pointers that if you don't make one in a game, um, it is a real disaster. It would be, a, you know, really shocking at this point. I think the key, I think what people need to understand uh, about this year's Duke team and about three pointers is this: the reason the three point shot is so prevalent in the game and people talk about it so much is because it is a highly efficient way of scoring the basketball and um, advanced analytics. Basketball has reached the point where uh, you need to take efficient shots. Uh, and obviously a shot that's worth three points is inherently going to be in most cases, more efficient than almost any two point shot that you take other than one that you're going to hit, you know, I don't know, 70, 80% of the time plus. Uh, so if Duke is not, going to be a great three-point shooting team. And I don't know whether they are or they're not. They've got guys who can, but I'm not. There's no one on this team that I go, that guy's going to hit for sure 40-plus percent of his threes. Maybe Joey Baker. But even Joey Baker struggled at the time. Yeah. So, you know, there's no one on this team that you go, that guy's a lockdown. You know, he's a, he's a big-time three-point shooter. So you need to find efficiency in other ways. And I think the fact that this team is going to have so many easy baskets on the inside, as I mentioned, you know, from Jeremy Roach and other guys throwing lobs to, to Mark Williams and Paolo Bancaro. I think the team's going to have uh, easy, efficient baskets from uh, Bancaro um, getting the ball in the lane and finishing as he does with a, a very soft touch and, and with his physicality around the basket. Um, John and Williams finishing in the lane. I already mentioned Wendell Moore, I think, and Trevor Keels uh, with the physicality to, to, to finish close to the basket at a high percentage. That's what. That's how you can make up for uh, three-point shooting if you're not going to hit a lot and, and take a lot of threes. Again, I don't know until I see more of them whether or not this Duke team is going to be that kind of team or whether they're going to be a team that's just comfortable firing away from the perimeter. Um, it's possible based on the profile of the team. They could be either one of those. But if you're not going to be great at three-point shots, you need to find someplace else to find that efficiency. And I think this Duke team has the profile that if the threes aren't falling, they can find that efficiency by using their physicality on the inside. Last year, it was Matthew Hurt that did a ton of the outside shooting for Duke basketball. Yep. I'd be outstanding to have him back in the mix, but he started his professional career. Uh, DJ Stewart making that same decision as well. And then 
it's kind of wild to think about, Jason. They're actually, you know, we haven't been thinking about them lately. I don't know the last time you even thought about these guys, but, you know, Jamin Brakefield, Jordan Goldwire, Henry Coleman III, there are a couple of guys that should had the opportunity to still be Duke basketball players but decided to play elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really From the unfortunate. three-point perspective, I don't know that they would have made that big of a difference, those guys in particular, but right. it is sort of like put roster construction and that sort of thing. I'm like, hmm, I'm curious how they're going to play this year. Yeah, I, I, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing you know how they uh, how they do, uh, especially Henry Coleman. I, I just I had great affinity for that guy. Yeah. Anyone who listened to the Duke Basketball Report podcast last year uh, knows that I I just fell absolutely in love with Henry Coleman. You really did, yeah. partially, partially for his game, yeah. but but also for the for the personality of who he is. Always smiling, yeah, for sure. And and it, it, the interview, the interviews that I got to do with Henry Coleman were among the best interviews uh, that, that I've participated in at, at the college level. A really thoughtful guy. Um, uh, I, I've recounted to people that there, uh, in the preseason, um, we were talking about classes and things like that that you were taking. And Henry Coleman uh, opined that he had a favorite transcendentalist. Henry David Thoreau was his favorite transcendentalist. I was like, oh, my God. A Duke basketball player who's not not talking about his favorite author or or oh I like to read his books or something like that. He's my favorite transcendentalist. That's the kind of guy that Henry Coleman was. As a freshman, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm I'm so disappointed that we're not going to get to to have him at Duke over the over the long haul. I understand why these guys make the decisions they made, um, and and same with you know DJ Stewart and and Matthew Hurt. Um, going off to not to the NBA, unfortunately, to probably to the G League, not even as two way players in the G League. Maybe Matthew Hurt may uh, end up getting a two way contract. I haven't paid completed. He was on one with Houston and then he got cut loose, but he got picked up by someone else. I'm, again, I'm not, I think he's a designated player, as it's yeah. referred to, not a two way player. In any event, um, I understand why guys made those decisions, uh, you know, in search of playing time, you know, in search of beginning to earn money. Um, I, I do think it's unfortunate in some cases. I, I suspect that if Matthew Hurt had bothered to come back to Duke, um, the money he would have made off of name, image, and likeness uh, as a Duke player, as, as, as a Duke star, Matthew Hurt probably would have been the preseason ACC player of the year, certainly would have been preseason first-team All-ACC, um, would have been in the conversation for you know, national kind of honors, probably I, I could have seen him slotting in second or third team All-American yeah. in the preseason. Um, uh, he, he's, he's not going to make a lot of money playing in the G League, you know, on a non-two-way contract. And, and uh, you know, if these guys had known that name, image, and likeness was going to be the way it is, I really have to wonder if they might have made slightly different decisions. Now, look, there's a domino effect that happens with these things. If Matthew Hurt decides to come back to Duke, it's entirely possible that like Duke doesn't get Trevor Keels or, or, you know, some other domino of Theo John, Theo John would decide come to transfer. In, yeah. yeah. There, there are all kinds of things like that, that, that change things up when, you know, with your roster construction, um, Henry Coleman actually left right after Theo John committed to Duke. And a lot of people think that, you know, it was Theo John coming that led to Henry Coleman realizing he wasn't going to have much of a role on the team this coming year. But uh, yes, I'm watching those guys where they are, um, to some extent, even though they they left the Blue Devils, they left on good terms. And as far as I'm concerned, Dookie for once, Dookie for life. So um, I'm rooting for all of them. Hope they do really, really great. Uh, I, I, Jamin Brakefield is the guy who who I suspect will have the best season of, yeah. of any of those guys um, uh, down there in the SEC. He's he's gonna he could be a really significant player. 
No doubt about that. The Tar Heels have a couple of SEC players this upcoming year with Kessler going to Auburn and Garrison Brooks headed to Mississippi State. So there's going to be plenty of those North Carolina staple schools in the Atlantic Coast Conference now getting SEC representation this upcoming year. So uh, be on the lookout for that. But we're excited. Duke basketball season is right around the corner. Jason, you are amazing as always. I really do appreciate the time once more coming on this podcast. Thank you, my friend. Oh, always. Happy to do it. Um, I, I am consistently impressed that you put these suckers out five times a week. It's hard for me. We do two a week. It is hard sometimes <laughs> to get two a week done. <laughs> I do what I can. Thank you for that. I really do appreciate it. We'll do this again soon. Okay. Absolutely. Love it, JJ. Always. All right. That's Jason Evans joining us here on Locked On Blue Devils. Thanks again to Jason Evans from the Duke Basketball Report for joining us on the program today. Really enjoyed chatting with him and talking about countdown to craziness. So excited, as we discussed yesterday on the program, with what Trevor Keels is going to bring to the table for Duke basketball this year. He looked outstanding. I think that Paulo Bancaro is going to be just fine, and he'll settle into place for Duke basketball. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. Follow the show on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Be sure to subscribe and follow this podcast right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode of Lockdown Blue Devils as soon as it's available each and every day, as we've discussed all week long. No football this weekend for our Duke Blue Devils. Enjoy the rest of college football. We've got, uh, of course, Duke playing in that scrimmage against Villanova. We'll try and see if we can figure out what happened in that one and a full fun week of podcasts coming your way next week right here on Lockdown Blue Devils. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you on Monday. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you and good day.